Welcome to the Cannabis Data Science Meetup Group. You're in for a special treat today. We've got incredibly good material. Some of my thoughts have really come together about the industry in general and the economic effects of the permitted cannabis industry. So without further ado, we'll go ahead and dive right into it and I'll start sharing my screen. Nice. So last week we began to just see how Massachusetts is publishing a good amount of public data. So you have everything from just the number of licensees, you have sales by product type, and at the end of last week, we were beginning to look at the production side. So we saw, wow, they're doing a good job at publishing data. They're publishing daily totals on an almost real-time basis. Look at this. So this was just updated on September 27th. So just on Monday. So we have incredibly recent data, which is hard to come by data that's so fresh. So we've got fresh data. And on top of that, we can access it through an API just to make our lives simple and easy. And we have a rich data set here with a number of interesting data points right we've got the number of plants in their various stages so we can see what plants are mature which are flowering we can see what packages are on hand so we can get a gauge of inventory at any given time furthermore we can get a couple more interesting data points, such as the number of strains, products, and last but not least, we saw, wow, they're tracking the number of employees in the cannabis industry. And earlier in this series, we've, in particular, we were looking at Colorado and we were trying to look at production functions. And we were talking about capital inputs, labor inputs, and that was where we estimated the competitive return, rate of return on capital, as well as the competitive wage rate in Colorado. And so what's real interesting with this data is we could repeat this exact same analysis for Massachusetts. And we'll probably do that, but we can do something new and fresh today. So first things first, let's get the data. So just using a handful of standard Python packages, we'll be using Python, but the data is accessible through an API. So you can use your favorite programming languages. Just writing a handful of helper functions here. I can talk a bit more about these when, when we use them here. So 
first things first, let's get this data and look at it ourselves. So you can register for Socrative to get an app token. You're not necessarily required. You just get throttled if you make too many requests without an app token. So we can use one at the end of the row. So we'll just initialize the API. So we're just saying, okay, this is the URL. So what it what is an API? It's really just a simple, simple website that you can interact with programmatically to get data. So it's not going to be marked up in a nice, beautiful website format. It's just going to be raw data. And that's what we're after, the bare bones. So we'll just ping this website backslash our data set ID, which you can get right here, the data set identifier. We'll pass a handful of parameters. So we'll basically say, okay, we don't want more than 2000 observations. And we actually want to order this. So here I've done a little bit of scouting and I saw, okay, look, they give us a timestamp. So we can actually order our data by time. Here they give us an example of how you can do a query for a specific date. Luckily, let's put that over there so I could. So anyways, luckily we can use a search query language command descending to tell, to specify in our query that we want everything sorted by the date. So enough of that. And so long story short, we're just going to ping the website and get our data. And so we should have our data here. So for example, in the programming language, 200 is a success. And so what did we just get? Well, instead of getting a website, we just got a giant data dump. So this is, instead of delivering us a website, they just deliver us a bunch of what's called JSON objects. So JavaScript object notation data. And so this is how you can think about a data point where it's essentially an observation here. So this is one observation. So this is the date, September 27th. On that date, there were 129,000 immature plants, and so on and so forth. So we can work with this, what's a glorified, a simplified Excel spreadsheet in programming language, so a data frame. So we'll just put this in the data frame. And here I use one of these helper functions to basically 
put everything into chronological order. Right, because we wanted to get the most recent data, but now we actually need to put it in chronological order just because that's how we do time series analysis from the past to the present or even the future. So let's put this into a data frame just so that we can work with it easily. And what does this look like? Well, this is why I was saying this looks similar to an Excel spreadsheet where you've got a table here. We've got a thousand plus rows, a thousand sixty nine rows. So that's a thousand sixty nine days. So just short of three years of data here. And like we mentioned earlier, we have all these observations and here's the observations on a daily basis. Awesome. What variables do we have here? Well, I just did a little pre-scouting and just listed, okay. Here we are. So those are the variables we're working with. So, Without further ado, let's start looking at a handful of these. So, right, because that's the first step is look at the data. So you can plot these. Awesome. So we have our three years of data and we see that, wow, at the very beginning, the very first observation, there were three employees. So we're basically tracking the Massachusetts industry from the inception, the first company, the first three employees to the present day, where we have just shy of 10,000 employees in presumably plant touching cannabis businesses in Massachusetts. So it's now time to put this into perspective because that I think is what this is all about. Because there's been a lot of noise and, you know, in the cannabis industry, they'll let you believe that, oh, you know, everybody works in the cannabis industry and it's just booming. And well, that may be, but it's, it's time to quantify that. So it's time to measure, okay, what exactly is the size what exactly is the impact here? At least the economic impact, we can measure that. So without further ado, the reason why is, well, perhaps other states can look at the Massachusetts and see, okay, what, what happens? What is the economic effect of permitting cannabis? You can look at the social effects you, as you should but perhaps in another study right now, they really focus on the economic side of things. So kind of put this into perspective. So for, for starters, this is going to need some sort of time scale, right? We're looking at time series here. So 
what we can do is actually add a date to our data and set the index on the date. Nothing, nothing fancy here, but what that does is we can now plot our data in the exact same way. And we actually now can see the time scale. So now we can see, oh, look at this. You know, our data is starting just about this time in 2018, around September or October of 2018. And we can actually quantify that as October 15th is when our data set begins. And as we noted, we have quite recent data here up till September 27th. So all the way until Monday's totals. So they haven't quite published Tuesday's totals yet. So that's the, in my opinion, awesome that we have almost, almost real time data here. So, so let's start putting things into context. So we know how many employees are here in the campus industry. Well, how many employees are in Massachusetts in general? So that's, this is a technique that I suggest to any, anyone doing data science is, okay, you get your data set, right? Nice, interesting data. What, what do we have here? What do we have here? How do you define a uh, Massachusetts employee for the total? Not trying to be nasty, I just um, having a little difficulty with that. Wait, was your comment, Heather? Oh, meaning to say uh, it may not be so simple to define and say, okay, uh, total Massachusetts bound employees, that's your total. And then the, um, you're going to divide that by the number of uh, cannabis related or cannabis industry employees, am I right? That's essentially the, the rough idea is, right, to just try to figure out the percentage of employees that are working in the cannabis industry. Right, so for cannabis, there aren't a whole lot of remote jobs. And I guess for me, just using Maryland as a comparison, I have difficulty even saying who's a Maryland employee other than those who are physically on site because just because the headquarters is there, all of their managers may be on the West Coast somewhere, as I'm finding. So um, I'm not saying that the number is going to be wrong. I just the definition of a Massachusetts employee may be more complicated than expected. Critical, 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 critical point, Heather. So and this is what we need more of, right? Because you can't just take this data at face value. You need to for each every data point do exactly what you did you just say okay we've got this data point here what could be wrong with it well for starters it could easily undercount people like you said like um, executives um, people who are kind of gray on the books right like are the are the janitor or the janitors or all the consultants or what have you or all those people on the books so I would say, like you said, and then you can start to think, okay, 
how does that bias the data? Well, I think it would probably bias the data downwards, right? Not necessarily, but I think you may have an undercount of, of employees here. So I think there could be more people than this that are associated with these businesses. And another interesting aspect is there's probably many people that are tangentially related to these businesses like consultants, right? Like, so you may have law firms or banks that predominantly serve these licensees, but they're not going to be counted as employees. So I think I like your, your note, Heather, and I think we, we need more of that it is to be incredibly critical of these data, data points because you know, we'll do our analysis here, but if if our data going in is has measurement errors, then that's going to have consequences on our analysis. So critical critical point. I'd like to say that's not that's not gonna stop us. We'll do our analysis anyways. You just you just have to take that into consideration when you're looking at the analysis. So when we get our to our final results, we'll want to take into consideration. Okay, we're, let's keep in mind that total employees may be biased downwards, or some of these other figures. You know, they may have their own measurements of their measurement errors of their own. So these are things that factor into our to our conclusion conclusions and results. So every every bit is worth pointing out. So just to keep steam rolling here, we have 15 variables. So that's 15 sources of potential measurement error, right? So every single one of these probably has their own flaws. So Nonetheless, we've got these data points here. And to introduce even more uncertainty and measurement error, but also to add some more insight as well, we can supplement this data. And so we'll be supplementing it with data from the, the Federal Reserve here. So, oh yes, that's right, we were looking at the number of employees. So once again, these numbers admittedly, and you know, people have done studies, there, there, there are undoubtedly measurement errors here. So take them into consideration, but we can still just start getting a rough measure on, on the market, the size of the market and its impact. Because a rough measure is better than no measure. So we'll grab the number of employees here in Massachusetts. So note that this is going to be in thousands of people. So without further ado, we can get the number of Massachusetts employees here with the thread. Note, I'm just doing here. I'll, I'll show you specifically what I'm doing here. 
So we'll grab the first things first, we need Fred. So we've imported the packages. And then we need to initialize the API. So we essentially just create a little client here that remembers our API key and makes requests on our behalf to the website. Because once again, just like before, right, we're using one API, the Socrata API. We'll also use the FedFred API, which is once again, just a URL that we ping and get some data back. Specifically, we're going to ping Federal Reserve. We want to, real quick, I'm defining the start of our data here, right? Because here's the Federal Reserve data set. They're going all the way back to prior 1992. That's awesome. We don't necessarily need that data at this moment. So we'll define a start date here. And like we noted earlier, our start date is October 15th, 2018. Next, we need a data set ID. Notice here, they're all over the place, but there's one right there. You can also get it from the URL. So we'll get this data set ID. Then we'll read the employees here. And let's see, but, but yes, that's right. And so just, and this is what you'll notice with data science is there's these small little things that are, are important and you can get hung up on them. But here I've just done a little scouting. And so I'll show you a couple things that may seem simple, but they'll make the analysis go a lot better. So here we have the total Massachusetts employees. We have it by the month. So that is awesome, right? And wow, look at that. So keep in mind, this is thousands of employees. So here we're going to multiply that by a thousand in just one second, but you'll notice, wow, like we noticed, we noted this last meetup. Yeah, something happened in April of 2020. So that's going to be showing in a lot of data sets. So there's a, a regime or what do you, uh, they go by so many names. It depends on what uh, field you're really studying, maybe in macroeconomics, like a structural break, um, a shock. So anyways, anyways, we're focusing on the data here. So this little trick is basically, if you look at our production data here,
right? We've got daily data. And so basically we want to compare, you know, daily to monthly. So we're going to need to aggregate our production, our production data into monthly data, which is, you know, not, not the end of the world here. So here we've already set our index. So we can just create a monthly average, right? Because how do you want to aggregate? So there's two ways predominantly that we'll be using in this, in this demonstration, we'll use two ways to aggregate. You can aggregate by averaging. So what's the average during the month? So here we'll do that with total employees. What's the average number of employees during a given month? You could also do some, which we'll be doing later with sales. And then that would just be what's the total during a given month. So it's the total sales during a given month. Here we're looking at averages. So for example, we can now look at, okay, what's the monthly average number of employees in the cannabis industry in Massachusetts? And we can see our monthly averages here. Real quick, this is a cool little, whoops. Um, the cool little note here is if you actually look at these two plots together, you'll notice that our monthly average is essentially, you know, it's not quite because it changes month, right? The different months have different number of days, but it's roughly a 30-day moving average. So that's, that's what you see with the moving average is the moving average tends to smooth out the daily series. So anyways, quick little aside that, that, that I thought was interesting. So anyways, we have the monthly average here. So now we can actually compare that to the total employees. Oh yes, and that's right, I was explaining that. Oh, if we look at our monthly data here, The way I tend to conceptualize things is to timestamp them at the end of the month, right? Because if you're talking about the average number of employees in October of 2018, for me, it conceptually makes a bit more sense to timestamp that as October 31st versus October 1st, but that's entirely a preference. Well, in this, for this analysis, it's entirely a preference, but it matters um, for the programming. So long story short, I'm using this function here to basically just take our, so what we have is, We 
all I'm doing is taking our total Massachusetts employees and changing the timestamp from the beginning of the month to the end of the month. That way. You know, that way we have the same data, but it just time stamped at the end of the month. So that way we're comparing apples to apples. We're saying, okay, we're comparing this month to this month. It's real clear what we're doing here. Furthermore, we want to compare the same units to units. So changing thousands of people to number of people. So can do that simple enough. And then we can actually look at our employees here. So we can say, here's our monthly number of employees. I think we've already done this exactly. Then we can plot that with the total number of Massachusetts employees. And, okay, right off the bat, what's this? Like, is this like 3 million some employees um, in Massachusetts? Exactly. So you've got about 3.5 million total employees in Massachusetts. So quite quite a large number seems like too many doesn't it um here real quick let's just grab the population of massachusetts real quick um so that here i'm just grabbing the population of massachusetts so what was the population here Google says 6.893 million as of 2019. Okay, okay, that's that, that, that's more reasonable then. Okay, so you've got, well, we could do the, the math of the percentage of people actually working. Um, uh, and may, we may do that here in, in one second. Um, well, Eh, let's just do it right now. That's what we're all about. The reason I was hesitant is the reason I was hesitant is we're going to have to to receive to sort of we're going to have to create the annual number of Massachusetts employees which we just want to do an average. Uh, if this works out well, we can do it. Awesome. So now we have the annual number of Massachusetts employees, and then we can just divide that by the population. Uh, not quite. Here, one second. 
Well, let's look at these two data sets here. We've got the number of employees. We've got the population. Oh, yes, that's right. Um, it's just this sort of weird, weird pandas thing going on here. So there we are. So a roughly 50% of the population is is working at any given time and keep in mind this is different than the the like the em employment unemployment rate because right the the population includes children it includes retired people and the children and retired people and people that aren't in the labor force they are they're not included when when you're calculating unemployment um so this is a different statistic here. So I I just wanted to do it more for a sanity check, right? Because you can't have more people working than than there are living in the state. So I was more doing it for a sanity check. So so anyways, we've got the total number of employees as we saw. Oh yes, I wanted to comment on this real quick. So we've got, you know, the total number of employees here in Massachusetts. And if you look at the cannabis industry, you'll see how they really demonstrate how the, the cannabis industry proved to be, well, well they, you know, they were defined as, you know, the, an essential industry during the pandemic. And it definitely has an effect here on the, the employment here. So you'll notice in August of 2020 that, or around that time frame, that you do see a slight dip in employment. However, it remains almost constant. So it's almost like in the cannabis industry, there is essentially a hiring freeze, not a lot of new hires or at least any new hires were essentially offset by any anyone leaving. It looks like there were, were you know, a handful of people that, that, you know, that, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, they quit being employees during that time. So maybe they lost their jobs, maybe they, they resigned, who knows? Um, Maybe they got fired or laid off. What about home maybe, grow? Maybe they, maybe they took up home grow. Seriously, so, it's happening. People are moving for that reason. Thank you. Oh yes, and that may actually be what this crowd is, right? So these people are already in the cannabis industry. Here, yes, people may be transitioning from from banking or what have you. Their, their everyday retail jobs do exactly to, 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 to home grow, perhaps. So, so we can only conjecture as to what the reasons are or what is underlying this data. 
However, I think it's interesting to to remark and to note that the cannabis industry was quite resilient to job loss during the pandemic, which remember last week we were talking about how regulations often affect the structure and performance and outcomes of various industries. And so simply just saying, okay, this industry is essential. Well, but likely has an impact here. Um, so, you know, the, does that explain everything? No, like there's always a, a multitude of factors here. So, I don't know, I, I just, so this is something that's been observed, so not not just by me, a lot of people have observed this, that, you know, the cannabis industry was resilient during the pandemic. And the data shows that here in Massachusetts, where the employment levels pretty much, they, they stayed constant during that time, but there wasn't a dramatic, there wasn't a dramatic drop. And then, you know, basically what we see here is the trend looks like it, the trend resumes to about what the trend was, but perhaps maybe a little more volatility here. However, the overall, right, there is, it looks like there is a, an entire shift in the curve. So it looks like, okay, there was the shock, the adjustment, steady state growth is now back on track, but there was a whole shift down in, in employment. Whereas the cannabis industry, there was the shock, not, not much of a shock, at least to employment, and then resumes to steady state growth with, you know, just a slight, slight shift in the the labor curve so i think there is there's more insights that can be taken away here but we're just going to kind of keep moving moving along here because there's a lot of ground to cover so just to look at another statistic here oh yes it was we were just going to start to gauge okay cannabis industry is resilient is it meaningful right what percent of the economy is this is it a noteworthy segment of the economy right because like i said if you talk to people in the cannabis industry they'll make you believe that you know the cannabis industry is propping up the entire economy well, let's see how true that is um <laughs> or at least try to quantify um so I think this is interesting data here. So here you have just the cannabis employees as a percent of all employees. And so obviously they were 0% to begin with. And keep in mind, and so this is where we're going to start talking about the economic impact of permitting cannabis right because was it actually zero so what we've talked about this in the past whenever you run up to a zero bound 
Well, that may mean you're not capturing things on the other side of the bound. And what's on the other side of the bound here is you may have people that are working in illegal cannabis markets, right? So people doing illegal grows, people doing illegal processing, people doing illegal retail. And that's not going to be captured. That's not measured economic activity. That's typically not tax economic activity. And it's has its own debatable social costs, right? So right, this is debatable, right? Because right, you don't want to be tossing, you know, good people in you know in jail for doing some activity that's now like legal today, right? And so that's why there's these, you know, no I want to give a shout out to them, but I don't know their specific names, but there's you know like the, I'll, I'll have to put some links in the chat or something, but, you know, there's movements out there to try to help people that were, you know, in prison for cannabis crimes that were, you know, nonviolent, but, you know, today would be perfectly permissible. But that's not to undershadow that whenever things are illegal, it does attract kind of shady people sometimes. So, right, so not saying that everybody's bad, but, you know, unfortunately when things are illegal right that's when you kind of run into like the organized crime and you know some, some bad actors so 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 you know so maybe some decent people get lumped in with some bad characters so long story short if things can be permitted then and this is where you kind of get into the judgment calls but in my opinion you know if things are permitted then you know you can at least Put them out under the light you know you can let things operate at least they can get measured and you know we're regulated and op operate under those regulations to a certain extent but well and long story short that's a, a little bit of a spiel there didn't mean to make any um opinionated statements because we're focused here on the data so anyways back to the data We've got about a quarter of a percent of people today working in the cannabis industry in Massachusetts. So I think this is a non-negligible portion. It seems small, but I think this is larger than you would think. So I think it would be interesting to compare to other professions. So if we had more time, I would get the data on oh, how many teachers are there in Massachusetts? How many, I think people have done this, oh, how many fast food workers are there? And so you can kind of compare, oh, how many fast food workers to how many people working in cannabis to kind of get some perspective, tell a story. So that would be beneficial. We're time strapped today, limited on time. So we're just going to keep moving, but I think it's worth pointing out that a couple things real quick. It's increasing. It increased faster during this recession here in 2020. And the reason I say recession is because the Federal Reserve has flagged this period as a recession. These are where these gray bars are here. So the Federal Reserve has designated 
this quarter in 2020 as a recession. I believe. If I'm wrong, please let me know. <laughs> but, but anyways, we've got the total number of employees here. Here, one second. We may have... somebody joining us real quick. So, ah, welcome Hendoko. We're, we're, we've got about 15 minutes here to finish up some interesting analysis. So you're just in time for some good takeaways and then I'd be happy to, to talk with you some more. So, but long story short, we're looking here at the GDP in Massachusetts, and we're comparing that to, okay, what's the economic output here in the cannabis industry? We just saw that about a quarter of a percent of people here work in the cannabis industry. And that may be understated because as Heather pointed out, the total number of employees here may be understated. One last thing, well, you can kind of correlate these two, may as well just create the statistic. They're negatively correlated. So it's hard to interpret this, but basically as the total employment in Massachusetts decreases, you actually have employment increasing in the cannabis industry, which is an interesting observation. So, but anyways, to, to GDP real quick. So in this last 15 minutes, we can do some pretty incredible stuff here. So we can measure GDP. So what is GDP? Well, that's the whole economic output in an economy. In this case, we're talking about the cannabis sector, and we can simply proxy the whole economic output as consumption. So we can actually measure cannabis consumption. And keep in mind, I'm, I'm simplifying this here. There are some good resources, you know, that discuss, okay, what is GDP? Let's see. Right. So in general, right, it's consumption, investment, government expe government expenditures, and then exports. So, but, right, we're just going to proxy things as consumption. And this is the way you see things done in macroeconomics a lot. We can abstract away the government spending and the investment and there's not going to be any net exports. So we can abstract those away for the time being and just say, okay, GDP is going to be consumption, which is going to be sales. Here I am calculating sales. I noticed that sales total is actually a cumulative total. Right, that's not what daily data should look like. So we can actually take the difference here. 
to calculate our daily data. And so now if you just plot sales, there is this one outlier, which I'm quite worried about. And so I think we should come and revisit what happened on this day. This could be a miscoding measurement error. So this is a problem. In fact, I'd probably exclude this one day, but for the time being, it doesn't overly affect our analysis here. But I think it should be pointed out and so it needs to be investigated further and our analysis probably needs to be redone with this one observation excluded because uh, it's, it's atypical. So for example, if we just look at the last hundred observations here, you'll see, okay, this is, this is more typical for what daily data looks like, where we have fluctuations, right? Fridays may be busier than Mondays or Tuesdays or what have you, which is a whole nother interesting analysis of its own, right? I'm a big fan of looking at the days of the week. So exactly like I just said, how do sales on Friday compare to Monday or Tuesday? In fact, we could probably do that next week. We could probably do that in not that much time, but like we said, we're strapped on time here. So we're gonna try to stay focused and save some of these cool analyses for the future. But sales here, daily data so we can aggregate this into monthly and quarterly data which we'll do we've already gotten our total employees we've already gotten the population it's now time to define gdp here so we're going to define GDP and here. I'm going to put everything into millions of dollars because we're actually going to be comparing this to the GDP of Massachusetts to put things into perspective in the GDP of Massachusetts measured by the Federal Reserve is measured in millions of dollars. So we're going to put our units in millions of dollars just for convenience sake. Then we are going to get the GDP from Federal Reserve and make sure everything's time stamped at the end of the quarter and not the beginning of the quarter. And so without further ado, what do these series look like? Well, here is quarterly cannabis GDP or quarterly cannabis sales, interchangeable in our case. So sales may be a bit more familiar to most people. And here is GDP in Massachusetts during a slightly shorter time frame here. And in fact, to compare apples to apples, I'm actually going to plot 
just quarterly cannabis through the through quarter one of 2021 because that's all we have data for for Massachusetts. Okay, now we're comparing apples to apples here. And what we notice is, in, I think this is interesting. So remember earlier we saw, okay, employment was almost impervious to, to the shock of April of 2020. Sales we're we're actually we're we're actually hit here and so this is contrary to i think perhaps what we saw in other places or, or maybe just the general per, the general perspective that sales increased during this time and so there's a couple things going on here one we may have just entirely messed up our measurement that's one it's not impossible Two, you have an interesting effect here in economics where people will shift their purchases. So just because you see a spike in purchases, so say everybody rushes to the store and they buy a bunch of cannabis at this one specific time and you see a large spike, that doesn't necessarily mean their overall consumption is going to increase. So they may just change change the time at which they make their purchase and then consume the same amount so they may have purchased a lot at a given time right so there may have been a spike um in sales during this time so instead of just conjecturing we can actually look um Not sure this is going to cover the right time frame here. So let's see if we can't actually look at sales during during this time period. Sorry, I could probably pinpoint this a little better, but just sort of ad hoc trying to find this. Okay, this is not good. We may even have measurement error here. Okay, so this is not good. So we just zoomed in on, on you know, this pandemic period here. And would you look at this? We don't have any sales data for for this period here. So that would actually explain our, our big decrease here. So I think we may need to do a deeper dive here. So there may, I may need to look and see, okay, did Massachusetts maybe like suspend reporting during this period? Maybe they said, okay, you know, we don't have to report sales during this period. There could be a lot of things going on. So this is a monkey, this is a, 
this is sort of what data science is all about here, right? We, we just had a monkey wrench thrown in. Hold on. Hindoku dropped, but it's back. Welcome back, Hindoku. I'm going to be wrapping up my, my spiel here in momentarily that way we can get to a little discussion here because this is a pretty glaring monkey wrench that we're going to have to address for next week i'll still show you how the analysis can be done but this is what kind of heather was talking about where unfortunately if you put the data under a microscope you're going to find some glaring glaring oddities sometimes so that need to be explained. And this is one of them. <laughs> um, so we, we just put the data under a microscope. We're basically just missing data here for the most important, the most important period, um, or one of the more important periods here. Um, so um, Um, hold on one second. So let's see if we just, I just want to see real quick if, okay, yep. So it's the data set themselves. So maybe I'll, I'll do a deeper dive and try to figure out and explain for next week why this is missing. But basically we just put the data under a microscope and we found out that we're missing data for this critical time period here. And that's probably going to have an effect on our on our analysis, right? Because here we are, here we are trying to make these statements about what's going on here in quarter two, and we've got measurement errors. So that's a big problem, and so that makes you, makes us wonder: like, are there measurement errors going on here that explain this dip? So we've got problems. <laughs> but that, that that's life as a data scientist um but just to to show you the last uh the last little bit of analysis here because despite having measurement errors we can still calculate the statistics because i think they're still worthwhile to look at right we'd, we'd rather calculate the statistics than not right and right at the stage we're not so let's calculate them real quick so let's grab Massachusetts GDP. Maybe we've already done that, but let's grab it again. We've plotted them. We can calculate the correlation between the two. They were positively correlated, but not perfectly correlated. So a lot of times you'll see much stronger correlation with sectors and GDP. So I'd say this is a weak correlation, not, I mean, an actual weak correlations, you know, point, point 0.1, point 0.2. So this is still statistically a strong correlation, but not like a, not like a, I would not say this is a strong like economic correlation, which is an interesting, real, real, real interesting observation. But, we're going to be cursory with it. 
we're going to say, okay, we're quantifying it here. And sorry that I'm rushing through this. We can expand on everything next week. But we'll say, okay, what's cannabis as a percent of GDP? Well, I, my takeaway is Massachusetts has a quite booming, robust economy here. So, yes, cannabis is this amazing, interesting sector. But if you look at the data, they may it may just be, I want to say, almost like a drop in the bucket of the, of the whole economy of Massachusetts here. But like I said, it's not negligible. Um, you've got 0.04% of the, the entire economy. So it's not nothing. Um, it's not everything for the, by all means. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. Um, but it's not, it's not the, it's not the end all be all. Um, but let's put this into dollars so we can say, okay, what's the annual GDP here? And we can visualize that. Okay, so like we said, it's not nothing. So here's just the annual cannabis sales or cannabis GDP in Massachusetts. So like we said, it's almost nothing. But look at this. It's almost $1 billion in, in 2021. And the year is not even over yet. We've still got um, like a whole quarter left. So Massachusetts is doing well for themselves. Like we said, Massachusetts is a big economy here. So this is, right? Like, look at, I mean, look at the size of their economy here, right? This is quarterly $600,000 million. Um, so they, they've got a big economy here. Um, but, you know, a billion dollars is not nothing. So... Like you said, you need to, to weigh that against the social costs. But, I mean, if you're going to increase GDP of a state by $1 billion, that's not bad in my book, um, but that's an opinion. Um, and so then, okay, what's, what's the annual percent of GDP here? Well, as we noted, you know, it's not the, the the biggest segment of the economy, but but look at this. You know, it it the cannabis GDP is about point sixteen percent. Um, yeah, yeah, zero point sixteen percent of all of GDP. But I mean. When you're talking about like a boost to GDP, right? People are out there, that, right? The, like the nation's shooting like for like, you know, like a, a 2% or so, you know, more than that's awesome, right? So, you know, when you're talking about just trying to squeak up GDP, I mean, 
you're squeaking up GDP, you know, 0.16 of a percent. That's not nothing. And like to put that into to dollar terms, well, I thought this was an interesting statistic here. Well, we've got the population of Massachusetts. We've calculated GDP, which is used to say, okay, that's the, um, it's used to kind of proxy, you know, the standard of living sometimes. And so we can say, okay, well, how much better off is a person in Massachusetts for having the cannabis industry in economic terms, social terms, that's a whole nother can of worms. Um, that will maybe lead for somebody. <laughs> so, but we're, we can look at the economic side. Okay, so what's the GDP per capita? Well, in 2018, that was just about $2. So negligible. Already by 2019, per capita, that's around $65. So per person, that's man, woman, and child, and the retired, elderly, everybody, $65. And then by 2021, almost $140. So that's every person in Massachusetts is about $140 better off per year because of the cannabis industry, just, just passively, right? That just, you know, they're, you know, just the economy is better, right? Um, right. It's just a bigger economy, right? There's more tax revenue. There's just more economic activity and they're just, they're just better off. So just having the cannabis industry permitted, right? You don't even have to partake in in the industry so right so just for some people that actually partake that's you know beneficial for them but even for the people that don't partake i mean that's a you can think about it as a check in the mail once a year for 140 bucks and that's and that's just now and so it's going to be increasing right so you know next year maybe maybe it'll be 200 bucks and just more and more and more maybe um you know for per for perpetuity so you here we've done a and, and think about this this is with measurement error this is ex excluding months worth of data so this this number may even be biased downwards so i think that's sort of my takeaway for today is by permitting the cannabis industry in maryland uh, in massachusetts <laughs> there has been an economic benefit that i think is quantifiable because it has increased from what i can tell it appears to have increased gdp by a, you know a small amount but i would say non-negligible amount to the portion where, you know, every person in Massachusetts is, you know, at least, you know, on average about, 
you know, 140 or maybe 100. Maybe we can say there may be estimate, estimation errors, but maybe between 100 and $200 per year better off than they were without the cannabis industry. And I mean, that, that's not nothing in my book. You know, if I'd rather, I'd re personally rather have a check in the mail once a year for 200 bucks than not. So that's awesome. And so I think this is my takeaway that you, that other states could take to the bank is okay yes you know you're just looking at you know, maybe the social aspect of this or maybe the health aspect where maybe some people are being like we talked about earlier they're forced into the 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 gray illegal economy and that's maybe not so good at a social level or maybe at a medicinal level people can't get medicine they need or this or that so those are different considerations but we look at that we're looking at the economics here and from an economic perspective you know the appears to be you know a benefit here and so you know i think it's a consideration that people should should take into consideration that you know if if you permit cannabis with regulations like they have in massachusetts right it's not like they they're just you know, out there just letting anyone do anything they want. There are rules and regulations in Massachusetts. And so, you know, given a permitted market, there's an economic benefit. And so I think that ends sort of the point I wanted to, to make today, because that, that was just sort of what my you know, my thinking and sort of research and studies has sort of led to, I think, is I think that's that's the main takeaway is what is the economic impact of, of permitting these cannabis markets? Is it big? Is it negligible? And can we quantify that? And I think, at least in Massachusetts, we made a, a, a rough attempt at doing just that. So... Any thoughts, questions, comments? Well, on that note, it was awesome to have you, Heather. And then Hindoko, if, if you're interested at all, I'm, I'm curious to, to hear about yeah, what perspective you're coming at the group from, because we're happy to have you. You, the R programming language. Okay, so we have people in the group that use R. So I'll have to get you in touch with one of our regulars, Paul. Well, I don't think there's a meme that that Paul that that R is is almost um, this poor neglected, this, you know, the poor neglected cat, and, and then. Um, Everybody's focused on on Python, the the cute the cute dog in the corner. So, I don't think R should be should be neglected um, or or forgotten about. So, I'll get you in touch with Paul because, like I said, all well, I'll put a link here in the chat so you can join the group here. 
meetup.com forward slash cannabis data science, I believe. Yes, here we are. Here you can find the group. Put this in the chat. Yeah, and I'll get you in touch with Paul. He uses R, and all of this analysis can be done in your favorite programming language because we're just using APIs and calculating basic statistics here, right? So we're just reading the data from the API, calculating some means, some totals, some some mins, some maxes, what have you, nothing, nothing too fancy. And what I think making some groundbreaking discoveries. And that's what we do. That's what we do here at the cannabis data science group, right? We get real public, we get real cannabis data. We get it into a format that's usable. We poke and prod at it and find all its flaws, point those out because as Heather pointed out, that's critical. We analyze it, talk about it, have fun. So that's what we're about. So glad that you joined. Ah, in Mexico. Well, we're, we're, we're incredibly happy to have you because we're trying to you know spread the word about cannabis data science all around the world. So the more the merrier. So please share the word and invite your friends family colleagues co-workers you know share the group and you know everybody's welcome and doesn't matter your background you know we got a little technical today we got a little programming heavy but whatever you may be you know data science academics production processing retail whether you're at the lab any, anybody touching cannabis data, you're welcome. Join the group and yeah, let's have some fun crunching some numbers. So, so, so glad to have you all. And without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up here today. So thank you for coming. And then next week, we'll dive back into the data. We'll look at all the flaws. We'll try to redo the analysis just to make sure it's nice and crispy maybe make some crispy charts and there's a lot more we can get to right there's a whole slew of data points ahead of us so tune in next week because we, we'll be on another adventure so until then keep your nose to the grindstone mm -hmm.